Oh, that's how it's done. Merry Christmas. Oh, you guys are going to wake up tomorrow morning and Santa's going to have left his stuff under the tree. Unless you're on that other list, then you got a problem. Oh, it is good to be in God's house this evening. It is absolutely wonderful to know that you and I, as believers in Christ, have a Savior. I want to talk about that a little bit this evening. And then we're going to go have some cookies and, and coffee or hot chocolate. I am so, so thankful for who God is. I can remember growing up as a kid. Through this Christmas season, by the way, we have been kind of leaning into some of the Christmas carols. And uh, I was thinking about that, and I, I really changed up what I was going to do tonight. I just really felt that the Lord wanted me to do that, and that's what we're going to do. There's a Christmas carol that I remember growing up as a kid, along with a bunch of them, but one of the earliest ones that I learned was Away in a Manger. It kind of is geared to kids, and so I remember that we had to learn that in Sunday school and do it on a, on a performance that we did as a church, you know, what kids often do. And I, I remember the words, Away in a Manger, no crib for a bed. And the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. How many of you remember that? And that's all I need. I don't even need to go to the rest of the song because actually the line that, that, that really grabbed me is throughout the whole song. And that's that little Lord Jesus. And I can remember it so, I, I can remember the thought process of actually thinking this true, through and, and, and thinking about manger scenes that I had seen and, and connecting it all but that phrase, the little Lord Jesus, those two words, Jesus and Lord, together are found in the New Testament over 740 times. I think God was trying to communicate something to us. The little Lord Jesus. Luke, as he writes the Christmas story, as we open up the New Testament in our Bibles, one of the things we realize is that there are four Gospels. All four of those Gospels tell the story of Jesus. But Matthew and Luke go all the way back to his birth. And both of them lean backwards in terms of lineage. One all the way back to Adam. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But Luke writes in chapter 2, verse 10. He's talking here about the angels as they came to the shepherds. The angel of the Lord actually came first to Mary and talked to her, and he said, don't be afraid. If an angel came and stood in front of you, you would probably be afraid too. And Joseph, the angel then came to Joseph a little later on and said, don't be afraid. And then when the shepherds came, as, as Jesus and Mary and Joseph and, and, and some of the animals were, were in, in, in the manger area there, the wise men were not there. Actually, we put them in, in our nativity scene, but they, hadn't, they don't really show up for two more years after this. But the shepherds showed up first. And Luke writes down what the angel says. The angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news 
good news of great joy. That good news is a phrase that I want to talk about this evening. Of great joy that will be for all people. It had never been like that before. That meant it was for the Jews, it was for the Gentiles, it was for the Romans, and it was for the Samaritans. These were all people that were at odds with one another. But this good news was for everybody. And it will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior, our Savior was born has been born unto you. He is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. That word Lord, I want to look at it with you. He is Lord. I love the fact that in the beginning of the story, Luke writes in there that this is the good news. I love the fact that in the beginning of the story, he, he, he places this little baby in as Lord. What does that mean to us in our everyday life? What does that mean in my marriage? What does that mean in my finances? What does that mean if you're dating? What does that mean if you're buying your Christmas presents? That word Lord, I, I, I have to, I had to go back to the Greek and pull it up and you can look at it up here on the screen. It's kurios, and then the definitions are just supreme in authority, it says. He is our Lord. He is supreme in authority. Not only is he our Lord, he is the creator of the universe. He is the sustainer of everything. And then that Greek word also gives another word, controller. That's the one that we're a little bit uncomfortable with because we want to be in control. When I'm driving down the road and Karen is in the other seat, I'm in control. There are times that I'm sure she's trying to press the carpet back into the glue underneath. There are times when she, she grabs that bar on the side. Everything's fine, but she's grabbing this. Some of you have named that bar in your car. I know all about it controller. It's like in my house, the remote control. The remote control determines whether we're going to walk, watch Hallmark Christmas movies or we're going to watch a John Wick movie. Opposite ends of the, of the spectrum, but that remote has the control. And for some of us who are list makers, that's a, that's a big deal. For some of us who, who want things done right and want it done our way, you know, you know technically, technically, here's the deal. We, we, don't really, we don't really make Jesus Lord at all. He's already Lord. God made him Lord a long, long time ago. We just surrender to what already is. We just finally embrace reality. And some of us as followers of Christ, we, 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 some of us, we live this, this partially surrendered life where we haven't, we haven't totally surrendered our life. We're just living this partially surrendered life. And Jesus, Jesus says, Luke records what Jesus said about that in, in, in Luke 16, 16. He said in Luke 6, 46, he says, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? 
In other words, if you're going to call me Lord and not do what I say, I'm not really your Lord. You're hearing what I'm saying, but you're not doing what I'm, you're not allowing me to really be Lord. And, and the reality is for, for us, I, 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 I feel that this is where most Christian Americans are. We call him Lord, Lord, but we don't do what he says. We believe in God, but, but we live like he doesn't exist. We grab our Bible and we, and we open up our Bible and we start to read our Bible and God, I want your blessing in my life, my, in my life, and I believe. And then we start to read it, and it talks about something. Well, wait a minute, I don't, I don't, want, that. I don't want that. I don't believe that. And then we're reading further on, and, and, and it starts talking about forgiving others, and we think, well, yeah, I, I'm, I can forgive others, and it, well, maybe not her, and, and that, and that, we take that out. And we read further, and, and, and we find a place where he starts talking about money, and we're thinking, well, wait a minute. I want him to be Lord of my life, but I don't, I don't know that I want him to do that. And some of you are upset because I'm tearing the Bible apart here. <laughs> this is just ink and paper. But some of us actually do that every day with God's truth in our lives. We just tear those pages out and flip them off. Jesus says, don't call me Lord and ignore the things that I say to you. What have I not surrendered? It's Christmas time. We've been given a, a Savior who we can call Lord, but he asks us to surrender what is it that I'm struggling to surrender? James, I, I thought it's Christmas Eve, and you're going to be a little lighter and easier, and this is just going to be happy, and we're going to talk about the baby Jesus. And, and we are. But I got to tell you, Jesus didn't come so you and I could just have another holiday. He came to be our Savior and our Lord. And he came to give us the freedom through that so that our lives could live in the blessing of that. I'm learning as we grow older and as we mature in Christ and, and, and as we follow him closely, I'm learning to be more open and honest. And if we're open and honest, we'll, we'll be willing to admit that I struggle with trusting God in this area or this area. I, I struggle with trusting God with my kids. Or I struggle at trusting God with my future or my finances. Or I'm doing pretty good with relationships, but there's this one relationship that I'm really struggling to trust God with. Or for some of us, it's we're concerned and worried that we won't have enough money for the future. Or for some of us, it's, it's really something that happened in the past that we've not been able to let go of, and it's actually controlling our future. And we live this partially surrendered life. And yet for some of us, we're moving closer, and we're getting to the place where, where we are actually beginning to live a fully surrendered life. It's like we're all in in following Christ. 
It's like we've allowed him to grow to the place in our lives where we hear what he has to say. We open his word and we recognize it. And we not only believe it, but we move forward in it. We follow Christ in it. And, and this good news that he talks about, this Christmas good news, will bring great joy. And not just for certain people. It says for all people. Jesus, Jesus talked about this a little bit. In Luke 16, 16, Jesus actually heads into this. He says this, he says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. The law and the prophets means the Old Testament. The law and the prophets was proclaimed until John. That's John the Baptist. This is before Jesus came on the scene. You see, the law and the prophets were not good news and great joy for all people. That's why this good news and great joy for all people is brand new. And it's such a big deal. And it opens up a whole new arena. In the Old Testament, they had the law and the prophets. That, that's, 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 the, that's the Bible that they had. They didn't call it the Bible, but they called it the law and the prophets. And it was for the ancient Hebrew people. It was, it, was, it was what God gave them to help them through the process of coming out of bondage. But they always had this hope for the Messiah because the prophets over and over and over again told of his coming. And Jesus says it. He says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John the Baptist and since that time, Jesus says, the good news of the kingdom of God has been preached. This is a whole new thing. Jesus comes on the face of the earth. He's, he's the most perfect perception of God in the form of a man. He's the best picture you can find anywhere of God in the form of a man. And he says, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached. When somebody comes up to you and I and says, hey, I've got some good news, you know what you do? You lean in. You, you listen to hear what the good news is. So often somebody will come up and they'll say, I have some good news and some bad news. You don't lean in. You just kind of stay where you are and you wait for which one they're going to give you or choose the one. But, but when somebody says, I've got good news. In other words, Jesus comes on the scene and he shows us how God wants things to be. He shows us what the kingdom of God is like. And he shows us his view of mankind. He shows us how much he loves us. He shows us his compassion over and over again. As Jesus ministered, we see his compassion just flowing out. And this good news, which we call the gospel, Jesus is the good news. 
I love that in the very beginning of the Christmas story, it's called the good news. And people begin to follow Jesus. And so many people recognize him for who he is. It was considered such good, it was considered such good news that they actually named it good news. They didn't call it anything else. It's called the good news. And yet what I do know is some of us, some of us don't quite view it as good news. Because maybe somebody did something to us in church at some point. Or maybe, maybe we were so focused on someone who, who was supposed to be a good follower of Christ. Or maybe, maybe we saw something or something happened to us that the picture of this was not really good news. It, it wasn't as, as good a news as the first generation of this that Jesus shared. And that's the image we embraced. And, and that's what we wrapped ourselves around of. And, and we don't view it quite as the good news. The, the fascinating thing here is the way Luke writes. Some are not thinking that it's the good news, but you have to go back. I love going back to the first time something is said in Scripture. There are some things that are said over and over in Scripture and so you kind of sort through it, but going back to the first time it was said is just something that, that I, I seem to value more. And Luke, as he starts writing in Luke here, chapter 1 and verse 1, one of the things that you have to understand is they are writing the story of Jesus. This never happens to people. Nobody does this. The only people that got their story told were people who were unbelievably powerful and unbelievably wealthy. And they would have their story written and have their story told. As a matter of fact, they would review it and, and, and they would actually take out some things that they didn't want in there. But kings had their stories told. Very wealthy people had their stories told. The average person never had their story told. And usually it was only once or twice. And Luke, who, by the way, was a doctor, as he begins to write this, look, look, at, look at verse 1 in Luke. How, how, many, how many people told this story? Luke says, many. Many. Jesus was an average, ordinary person. He wasn't wealthy. He wasn't from royalty or power. He came to us in the form of a baby in a manger. It looks so nice and pretty. It was not nice and pretty. It was a mess where animals were brought and put. And Jesus' story, Luke writes, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. It was very, it was impossible to have your story told in that. Today it's easy. You and I could have our story told in no time. We could get online. We could actually get online and have a book written about ourselves. 
We could, many of us could write, write it ourselves. But, but, but listen, if, if I, and if I were to do that for, about myself or you were to do it about yourself, how many copies do you think you could sell? Maybe 50? Some of us, three? And Jesus was poor. He was a normal, he was a nobody. And yet, they write this. And Jesus was gone by the time they were writing it. And Luke gives us this full account of who Jesus is. And Luke tells us that many, many people, do you know why? Because this was good news. This was transforming news. This was different than anything that had ever happened. And the account was written. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Why? It's, you know, it would be so easy to read that passage of Scripture and just miss this. Historically, that is a big deal. Why so many people? And Jesus didn't even write anything himself. He didn't write a thing. But so many wrote so much because something good was happening. Good news had taken effect, and it was such a big deal. He goes on in verse 2, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, meaning servants of Jesus. He goes on. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, and by the beginning he means all the way back to Jesus' birth and beyond, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent O Theophilus. And we don't even know much about Theophilus. The only thing we know is that he was probably a very wealthy Christian who cared about the gospel and whose life had been transformed by Christ. And then Paul gives us the reason that he writes it. He says, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. In other words, the life and the message of Jesus. And Luke then sets up and he goes on to continue to tell the story of Jesus. He tells the good news. He tells about a Savior. He tells about the Lord, what it means to have him to be Lord. When Luke was writing this, he was just writing his account. Being a doctor, he says, I did the research. I, I inter interviewed everyone. I got all the details in there, got, them, got every bit of it in there. And when Luke was writing this, he had no idea that he was going to be one of the four gospels that would be recorded forever for you and I to refer back to. this baby Jesus who then shed his blood for our and died so that you and I could have forgiveness of sins so that you and I would be able to 
ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. Never before in history, sacrifices had to be made. Blood had to be shed for forgiveness of sins. But now this good news was that all we had to do was ask. And through Jesus Christ, God offers us this free gift of salvation. Here's another quick little story that, that I think brings this point out. Because sometimes we think, well, I'm, I'm not as bad as somebody else. And, and I, I, I hate that word sinner. I, I don't feel like a, a sinner. There's a story in the Bible of, uh, of these, this, this guy who's carried by four of his friends. And uh, they take him to a house, a house that's actually a pretty nice-sized house. But Jesus is in there teaching. He, he, this, this homeowner allowed Jesus, a follower of Christ, had Jesus come in, and he was teaching. And so many people came that the place was jammed. It was full from one end to the other. People were outside at the windows listening in. There, were, there wasn't room for anyone else to get into this house. And Jesus is in the center and he's teaching. And these four guys have brought their friend on this, this makeshift hammock stretcher kind of deal. And they traveled and carried him a long distance. And they just were not going to give up. It's not like they came to the 9 o'clock and they could come back to the 1030 service, you know. They just were not going to give up, and they climb up on the roof. And, and the whole story, is you can read it, you, some of you remember this story because I've talked about it before. They start opening up the roof, and, and, and they climb up on the roof, and they're, they're pulling the roof apart. And I could just imagine Jesus sitting there, and he's teaching, and these little particles keep thumbing, and all of a sudden, a little bit of daylight shines through, and then, then the daylight gets brighter and brighter, and, and finally, the daylight goes away because they're, they're lowering this guy down in front of Jesus, and they lower him down, and people move away. They, just, they, they, they create enough room, and, and he's, he's laying down on this makeshift hammock kind of thing in front of Jesus, and Jesus looks at him. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. The guy had to be thinking, but that wasn't, wasn't what I was going to be asking for. But Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders were, were up in arms about this. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus, of course, knows what they're thinking. And his thought process was probably, exactly, exactly. And then you can read it in Luke chapter 5. Luke records it in verse 24. Jesus said this in, in response, right after he said, your sins are forgiven. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Forgiving sins is the most important thing. That's why he came in the form of a baby so that he could be our Savior because we need a Savior. And then he says to the paralyzed man, see, th th then, then he, he pulled out his credentials. 
Then, then, then he made them aware of who he really was. And he says to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He proved who he was. But the most important thing is this forgiveness of sins. And God has come as a, in the form of a baby to be our Savior so that you and I could ask and we could be forgiven of our sins. And the good news is that everybody is invited. He says it's for everyone. It's not just for this group or that group. In other words, everyone, everyone can begin to follow Jesus right from where they are. They don't have to do anything. They, they just need to begin to follow Jesus. You and I would probably most of admit, mostly admit we're, we're all sinners. We're honest enough to admit we're all sinners. I, I, I find it interesting that, that liars don't like to be lied to. Do you ever notice that? And thieves do not like something stolen from them. They just don't like that. And unfaithful people, they don't, they don't like being cheated on. And the reality is there are standards out there that, that I don't live up to and you don't live up to. All of us fall short. And that's why, because of Christmas, because of this little baby, this little Lord Jesus, we have a Savior. And we can ask for forgiveness and we receive forgiveness and we can surrender to his lordship, and we are no longer wandering aimlessly through life. Is there an area in your life that's not doing so well? Well, that's because you don't know Jesus in that area of your life. Christmas, our Savior, the little Lord Jesus. You know, every time, every time I look at the gospel, this good news, I come to the same conclusion and I come to the same place. And that is my only reasonable response is to recognize him as Lord and be a follower of Christ. Begin following him from wherever we are and continue to follow Christ because that's who he is. Today, unto us, a Savior has been born. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but you need a Savior and I need a Savior. Let that baby in the manger grow up to be the Savior and the Master and the Lord of your life that he came here to be. Stand with me. Let me pray with you. It's Christmas Eve. We are so, so, so blessed. Father, thank you so much. Lord, thank you so much for our church family and even some friends that are here this evening. And Lord, at this time, I, I, th there's no other thing that I can do with a heart of gratitude, with a clear recognition that
that you gave to us, your son, who came in the form of a baby, who willingly laid his life down to pay the price for our sins so that we could just come to you and ask for forgiveness and you would forgive us. Not only forgive us, but you bring us into your family. You give us a home with you forever when we leave this planet. And you become our Lord and our Savior as we walk through life. So many of us in the room, that's who we are. But some of us in the room, you've never actually taken that step. You've never actually asked Jesus, this little baby, who no longer is a little baby, to be your Savior and your Lord. I would ask if you'd like to do that right now. And forever from this day forward, know that you have a Savior, the one and the only Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. And if that's you and you'd like to do that, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just close in prayer, maybe just slip your hand up and put it right back down quickly. That means yes. You're saying, James, I do that. Yes, yes. I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Lord, we thank you so much for the Savior that you've given to us. We thank you so much for your, your passion for us, for your love for us. We thank you that you are a loving, caring God. You designed us, created us, and then pursued us and draw us to yourself. Lord, I pray for the hands that were raised this evening, stepping across that line, becoming a part of our family, be part of the family that you're building. And Lord, I pray for your touch on their lives, for your blessing on their lives. I pray, Lord, as they move forward in following you right from where they are, that they would not only embrace you as their Savior, but embrace you as the Lord of their life which means recognizing you for who you are and what it is you want to do. Do it, we ask, in your precious name. And Lord, bless this time as we continue to celebrate into this evening. In your name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. <laughs>